Pulp MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I wanna say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas, and this is coming to you live. Well, not live, but I am in Las Vegas. I will be uh, hosting with Steve Mathis the show 500 of the Pulp Show. Uh, Flew over to Las Vegas today with none other than Ricky Carmichael. Got to uh, talk about what we would discuss on the show tomorrow, and uh, yeah, just nice to catch up with him a little bit after uh, seeing him at the race and helping with the TV broadcast. Jeremy McGrath will uh, be joining us tomorrow night as well. As obviously, this is Sunday, April 10th that I am recording, but I want to thank the sponsor before we get started. Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Pump Creek Funding, Fast Foundry, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Grant Stone Boots, and always, of course, Fly Racing. So, yesterday was St. Louis Supercross, and it was a Triple Crown, first uh, first Triple Crown in a little while since Arlington, and I don't want to say the racing was boring, because that's, I hate saying that, I mean, these guys were going for it, and we saw crashes and all kinds of stuff, but it wasn't great, I don't think, especially the 450 class, it was kind of blah. Um, 250 class gave us some excitement as they typically do just kind of chaos reigned throughout the 250 class day and night and I have to say maybe that these triple crowns just aren't for Jet Lawrence because I have really come around if you've noticed my tone when it comes to Jet I've become a huge fan Um, I was really on the side of being patient letting Jet Lawrence define his own legacy you know he's only 18 years old let him be his own person. And I have kind of morphed more towards, you know, where Daniel Blair was long ago, where he was like, you know, saying that he's going to be the, the next all-timer of this series. And that might be end up being the case at this point. We're still seeing a little bit of the, you know, unnecessary mistakes that can plague an 18-year-old that if anything were to derail Jet Lawrence becoming a multi-time 450 champion, it would be those a mistake like we saw in race three of the Triple Crown. Now, I tend more to chalk that up to him being 18 and just, you know, the chaos of the moment. Also, his starts were not good, right? So anytime you get bad starts like that, you up the ante for bad things happening. And that's just, that's just a known fact, especially when you get around riders that don't have experience they're in the 250 class, which means they're you know pretty much sending it at all times anyway. When you get around those guys and you're not used to the way that they attack the track and the, the poor decisions that they can possibly make, you 
you basically put yourself in a bad spot and you the percentage chance of things going sideways goes up. Because I think if you give Jet Lawrence RJ Hampshire starts, you see three incredibly boring races. I think Jet walks away with all three of those. And he won two out of three anyway. Um, but yeah, he doesn't win the overall. He did extend his points lead, right? He, you know, Cameron McAdoo, who we didn't mention yet, but Cam was out. Um, I heard he has an AC separation. Originally, Jason Wygant was telling me that he thought he had a broken collarbone, but I think after some more information gathering on my end that it is possibly an AC separation, which would be great news. Um, that injury is, is much less damaging. The time frame is much shorter, and you could see McAdoo back very, very quickly. So I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. I actually saw McAdoo at uh, the hotel on Saturday morning. I was going into one of my coworkers' uh, hotel to work out with him, and McAdoo was headed to the airport and just briefly spoke with him and uh, let him know how bummed out I was that uh, he was going to miss. I, I genuinely like him and what he's about and the program he's on and, and hated to see him yeah, have to depart the series after, you know, he had been progressing. He had started to take some of the crashing out of his game, and I, I thought that was really necessary for him to kind of take the next step in his career to be that perennial championship contender, to win races, and not be the guy that we saw in 2021 where you're, you know, making it into USA Today or whatever for your crashing. That, that's not who you want to be. There is no sustainability or longevity in racing like that. So I was happy to see some of that going away. I don't necessarily think this crash was that. I mean, it's press day, right? They're not doing anything crazy, but crashes happen on, on dirt bikes. It's still a part of it. I had some of the dumbest crashes ever just riding by myself, like no pressure, not even trying. Uh, so it can certainly happen. But the main story of the night, we didn't even talk about yet. RJ Hampshire gets his first ever Supercross win, and I, and I want to say overall win because we have these triple crowns now, so you kind of have to quantify it. But he got the win, right? He, he will go into the record books as a Supercross winner. And we were fortunate enough to have RJ on the Fly Racing Radio Show, which is uh, you know Saturday afternoons in the pits. If you guys are ever at a Supercross, come check it out. It's myself and Steve Mathis and Jason Wygant, and we will have a guest rider or two each week. What happened to be RJ Hampshire this week, and guess what? He goes out and wins. Now, coincidence? Eh, I don't know. I'm not saying that we were the reason he won, but I'm not saying it's not, right? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go out on a limb and say it's not, and I'm obviously kidding. But in our conversation with RJ on Saturday afternoon, you could tell that he had been building towards a better result. They had been really working on the motorcycle, and he told us that he had not been to a race yet in 2022 with the same setup as the prior week. Every single race out, they were trying something fundamentally different on the motorcycle, and he basically said he didn't trust it at all because he didn't know what it was going to do. He didn't have any time on it. So he's like, if you know, you watch Jet Lawrence, and that's the pace I needed to go to win the race, in the like sending it into the whoops, and he's like, there's no way. Like I wasn't going to do that. I can just tell you before the race started that I wasn't going to do that. So. There was certainly a difference in RJ in St. Louis. And, and he alluded to that. I give him credit because he was honest and he was forthcoming and basically said, like, this is the first time I've had a setup where I, I believe in it. We haven't made changes and I've just been able to ride it. I'm not thinking about changing the bike every lap. I'm thinking about I just need to be better on the track. 
And that's a, that's a really big difference. Most weekends, I know speaking for myself and others, like if you're just able to focus on your riding and focus on going faster on the racetrack, it, it really allows you to kind of center in on what's important. If every time you go out, you're thinking about the bike and what's it doing and is the front pushing and why and do I need to find more balance in the front and the rear? Like you can't think about going faster. You're, you're really distracted. And, you know, I'm not going to say it causes you to crash, but it, it's hard to be your best when you're with, that's like a testing mode. That's where you be, should be thinking about when you're in the off season and, and maybe like right now for outdoors, those are the thoughts that should be going through your head mid lap, not at a supercross race in a triple crown or otherwise. That, that's just a completely negative development if that's where you're at. And that's kind of where RJ was. So I was very proud of RJ. You could see the emotion in him, right? It was, it was written all over him. I mean, just, I'm sure there were tears and, and all of the feelings were coming out because it had been a long time coming. You know, it had been years of being close and lots of crashing and lots of injuries. And you just get to the point where you start to wonder if it's ever going to happen. And I'm sure that's where RJ was. Like, you want to believe, but how long are you going to do this in this 250 class without ever getting a win? And then you look around and you're like, now I have to deal with this Jet Lawrence dude who looks like he's the next coming of James Stewart? You know, like, that's not helping. So thankfully, I, I'm very happy for RJ. He wears fly racing. He's from Florida. I've known his family a long time. There's, there are infinite reasons for me to be proud and happy for him. But I think more than any of that, I just like to see people get, you know, this has been a dream for him and to work that hard. Like you can't be a part of Alden Baker's program and not work your ass off, pardon my language. Like it's just impossible. I Like... I'm not saying he's digging ditches. I'm not saying that the people listening to this don't work hard or anything like that. I'm just saying the amount of work that you have to do, physical work, riding, training, gym, dedication, like you you really dedicate your life and devote every second of your being, you know, to being better on a motorcycle. That's what Alden Baker demands. And RJ's been there for a few years. So I know what he's been doing and to not see real success come from that has to be disheartening. So I was just happy to see him overcome that and, and take that step and just realize some success from all of that work, right? If you're going to work that hard and put that much into it, even if it's just one race, can we just get some sort of payback and redemption and reward for all of that? Um, so enough on RJ. I was just very happy for it. And I was fist pumping when, when he got it done. So good for him. Mitchell Oldenburg, I mean, he, I don't think he got a lot of press or a lot of hype, but he got on the podium, right? He and Kyle Chisholm both probably deserved much more out of the night than they got. They were running around the, you know, th two, three, four positions the entire night. You know, there was chaos around them. Lots of crashes, Jet and RJ and all these guys are just all over the place. But they were pretty constant. And it's just part of the sport, right? You have a guy that's as dynamic as Jet. You have a guy that's winning his first ever race like RJ. You're going to have guys that get overlooked. And I really felt like that's how it was for Oldenburg and Chiz. So congrats to them. Great job. Um, you know, this little podcast and my, I, I'm nobody, but I'm going to give them credit. And I, I do want to bring their names up because I think, I think they deserved it, right? To be, to be successful, the first thing you have to do is finish the races. 
and they're out there. You know, these other guys are hurt. They're missing races. They haven't been able to, you know, stay healthy. Well, staying healthy is a part of it, man. It's not always the fastest guy that does well on the weekend. Sometimes you just have to be willing to ride within yourself to find success. And that's, that's who Kyle Chisholm is, right? He doesn't take chances, unnecessary chances. And that's why he's been around for 15 years. And that's why he's still getting, I don't want to say getting better, but that's still why he's doing incredibly well. It's because he knows how to, he knows the game. He knows how to be successful in this sport. 450 class, I mean, we have to start with Marvin. He gets a win. I, I didn't see it coming. And I'll give Chris Kiefer credit. He called Marvin for the win on Saturday afternoon. And I, I, didn't, I didn't, like, say he was wrong, but I was surprised. I didn't expect him to say Marvin was going to win, but he did call it. So great job by Marvin. He was there all night. The starts were there. The pace was there. And, you know, he kind of admitted on the podium that he was, he was slower in the whoops. He didn't have the pace of the other guys in the whoops, which I think is – I like that. I like to be transparent. But he's so damn fast in some of the other sections, getting in and out of some of the turns, you know, that's his strength, right? And all these guys have strengths and weaknesses. But on a track like that, and we talked about this on this show and Pulp Show and other places, when the track suits you, when the track is conducive to your skill set, like this one was for Marvin, you have to make the best of it. You know, like Anaheim 1, San Diego, and lots of other tracks were not for Marvin. The whoops were too difficult. They were too challenging and you had to blitz them, and you, you just simply weren't going to win if that was a weakness for you. It was impossible, right? And that's how, in like the 250 class, that's why Christian Craig was so unbeatable is because th- that track was all about the whoops. Those tracks were all about the whoops. And if you're great there, you're going to do well. If you suck there, it's going to be really hard for you to do well. So these are where Marvin has to get back. You know, this is where he's got to make, you know, make his money and, and – I think Atlanta could be the same. Foxborough could be the same. Denver, eh, Denver's whoops can be pretty nasty. And then Salt Lake should be more of the same too where they get a little bit beat up and a little bit softer. So we saw Marvin last year win the penultimate round and then he was great at the finale too. I'm expecting a run down the stretch for Marvin. So uh, I, I just think more of this is coming. I think he's all in on Supercross because remember, he's not racing outdoors. So his head is going to remain in this Supercross series for much longer than many of these other guys will. Uh, Next up would be Tomac and kind of a so-so night. You know, he he was there, but it wasn't the dominating performances that we've seen lately from Tomac. And this is what the 52-point lead going in allows you. You can just take what's in front of you and, and race you know, the situations that are, are approaching you. You don't have to take outlandish chances. And if one of the Triple Crown races isn't going to plan, so what? You know, he didn't win the race. I'm sure he wanted to. But at the end of the night, he leaves. He's healthy. Everything's fine. Plan keeps moving forward. And now he has a 56-point lead instead of 52. So even if you wanted to say, yeah, that wasn't the best night ever for Tomac, guess what? He extended his points lead. And in the most bottom line scenario possible if you are just a binary person and that's how you equate things he went in with 52 he left with 56 that's success period end of story so you know was it the best i've seen tomac ride no it wasn't but at the same time he does not have to do that anymore he doesn't have to take chances if things aren't perfect and he could still look you know jason anderson who we're going to get to he crashes and that's been the story of Jason Anderson's season is 
incredibly fast, some of the best riding we've ever seen from them, but guess what? Crashing, right? You cannot crash in this class and expect to be champion. You can't do it. Not when you're going up against this EY Tomac, impossible, okay? You take Tomac out of the equation, guess what? You're gonna be champion, but Tomac is too good, too consistent. The starts are there, he's on his best form. He's the happiest we've ever seen him. You've gotta be perfect. Basically, that's what it comes down to. If you're Jason Anderson, you have to be perfect to beat Eli Tomac in a championship this year, and he has been far from it. He's been great, and I've, I'm very vocal about that. He has been great, but he has not been perfect. Way too much volatility, way too many crashes, way too many mistakes to give Tomac a run for this title. And we're not even done. Tomac could win this thing with three races to go, if you really think about it, right? We're at 56. I could see it being 78 by the time we leave Foxborough or by the time we leave Atlanta, like anything's possible. I don't expect that. We only have four left. I think we go, I think he seals it at Foxborough and the last two championships already over. But I mean, Tomac is on his best form ever and Anderson looks like he could crash literally at any moment. Wouldn't surprise me. Now he's resilient and he's getting back up and he's fighting forward and all those things. But again, there's no one that could convince me leaving California that Anderson wasn't thinking champion. Like he's thinking championship. That's anything less than that is going to be a bummer. That those things are, are done. Like that that whole conversation is gone. Barsha, just kind of an all right night. You know, it wasn't flashy. He had a huge crash on press day on Friday, so maybe just getting through the weekend should be considered a success. But there wasn't anything really to write home about. It was okay. Um, just just kind of a eh, night. Like it it was just a, a night where he. Didn't get great results, didn't get great starts, didn't have the pace. Um, and yeah, we're just on, kind of on to Atlanta. You know, I, I don't think there's anything to be terribly upset about either, but it wasn't anything, it certainly wasn't anything to be excited about. Mookie, I mean, really leaving there, I feel that he should be, feel very fortunate to not be injured. I almost was guaranteeing that he, I don't want to say I'm guaranteeing towards ACL, but I thought knee injury for sure. I watched the, the crash and then we had a replay on camera pretty closely and there was a lot of wrenching and, and not great motion and angles and geometry and all those things on his leg. And yeah, thankful that he's okay. He obviously raced the, the final race and, and was going fast. So I think he's okay. But I was, when he's laying there and that he can't, you know, can't get up, I'm like, we just lost another guy. Like we just lost Mookie for the season. And thankfully that was not the case. So. Uh, Mookie brings a lot to the sport. He brings a lot to the series as far as excitement-wise and interest-wise. And uh, this is the best we've ever seen him. So I was devastated for him. And then, thankfully, I was I was just wrong. So we'll see uh, we'll see Mookie next week. Sexton, I was talking to the uh, American Honda guys this morning. And, uh, yeah, they basically just said he was in the mix. And then, you know, could have had a chance at the overall and then blew the third race start. You can't afford to get a bad start if you want to beat Tomac and Marvin and these guys when they're on, right? When they're on their best form, you got to have everything just dialed and he blew the start. So he went one, three, three, which is still great, but it's not going to be enough to get it done. So <laughs> more than anything for Sexton, I was just happy to see him not flip his motorcycle down the racetrack. That was all I really wanted. Like the results were great. His speed was great. All those things. But I was just like, dude, you got to get through a weekend where your Honda is not upside down and you're not being replayed on the big screen and everybody ooing and aahing because you know we're wondering if you're all hurt and and he did he did so good for him 
It's something he can build from and gain a little bit of confidence and go into Atlanta hoping for the best instead of just like praying before the morning, please don't crash, right? And, and I'm not saying he was, but in the, somewhere in the back of his mind, he probably was. And that's not, a, that's not a great way to go into any of the races. Lots of silly season stuff going on right now. Um, you know, I've heard Ferranda signed a contract to stay at Yamaha. I've heard that Cincerillo signed to stay at Kawasaki. Um, I think Webb is close or is done to stay at KTM, but I, I don't. I'm not, I can't confirm any of those, right? But this is what I'm hearing. But there is a lot of silly stuff season going on, silly season stuff going on. Uh, a lot of offers being made, a lot of jockeying for position and, and uh, negotiating, and everyone's trying to find out who's going where and if there's openings, this and that, and gear deals, and it's really, really ramping up right now. So, uh, you know, once those first few chips fall. The you know Web spot, um, AC spot, the Yamaha spot. Like once those are locked in, then you see all of the less coveted spots go quickly because ev- nobody wants to sign anything until they know they're out for like the second Cowie spot or the, whatever, right? Until you know that you're not getting that ride, you don't want to sign anything because you don't want to voluntarily take yourself out of the running for that. But things start to happen quickly. Um, after those those uh, you know marquee spots go uh, kind of come off the table, so that's it for this week. I am going to just I know this is a quick one, but I am going to cover MotoGP and MXGP later this week. Look for that. I'll probably do it on Tuesday, so I'll have another midweek one this week. But I wanted to get the Supercross Supercross one out quickly uh, because we're going to be uh, yeah show 500 festivities the next uh, 24 to 36 hours. So. Very exciting times. Thank you to all the sponsors. Thank you to Pirelli. Check out those MX-32 mini tires. If you haven't refied your house yet, I'm not saying it's too late, but you got to act, man. The mortgage rates are already up over 5%. We are headed to a inflationary, high interest rate environment. And if you got, if you have to buy a house, like you know you're going to have to buy a house, do it now. Like I'm just telling you, do it now. If you have time to wait, then wait because prices are going to come down, especially if you have cash, you definitely want to wait. So there's a lot there. What I would recommend doing, call Zach Morris, 720-212-4685 and ask questions. And I'm, I'm happy to help too. I've, I've learned a lot in this space, but there's a lot happening as far as that space, as far as uh, interest rates and mortgages and all those things are. It's a, it's a pretty crazy time for that right now. Uh, Guts Racing, go to at Guts Racing on Instagram, gutsracing.com. Check out all that Dean Wilson uses Guts Racing, and he had just a horrific night last night. Ended up going to the hospital. I heard he had two surgeries to close up some nasty, nasty cuts on his backside. But Guts Racing will be there to help. Maybe they can make him a custom seat cover that will help with, uh, yeah, he's going to have stitches and all kinds of stuff going on back there. So definitely check out Guts Racing. Thank you to them for being on board. Fast Foundry, of course. Reach out to Robert Carrico for your small business needs. Anything you need in the business space, he can help with. Uh, Works Connection, promo code JT21. They have everything. Obviously, they they pull lots of hole shots for a reason. They use that Pro Launch Start device. It's available from Works Connection. You can go to worksconnection.com or at Works Connection on Instagram. Pro Glow, we still need to do the question of the week, so we will do that on Tuesday. I have a bunch of questions, and I'm also going to give away a set of Pirelli tires on uh, on Tuesday. So look for that. I have the questions locked in and loaded. We'll get those dialed. So we'll do the Provo question of the week and we'll do a question for the free set of Pirelli tires on Tuesday. Thank you to Grandstone Boots. I have them packed away in my bag right now in Vegas. 
and thank you to Fly Racing. So that's it for this week. Thank you to everyone for listening and being on board. I had a lot of people come up to me this weekend saying they listened to this podcast, and uh, that means a lot. It really does. You know, I do this by myself, and I never know if anybody even cares. Um, but it's fun for me. I like to give my thoughts right after the race and get them out to you. So here we go. Thanks again. We'll see you.